Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. America's fastest-growing TV brand, TCL, brings you Mackie and Judd. Some of the miscommunication with the INTs or other things uh, that have happened in the past with, with some of the moving pieces in and out of this offense, do you think they're still learning how to play together even though we're this far in the season? Um, you know, I don't know if learning to play together is, is quite quite the thing um, you know we do have a lot of guys going in different spots um, but uh, uh, what's the best way to say this it might be uh, a little volume maybe a little too much volume like too much just you know let's let's just play f- football you know you run a really good out route you run the out route he runs a good curl you run a curl you know what I mean so maybe maybe we just need to to focus a little bit on on not trying to trick the other team quite so much. That was Mike Zimmer today after uh, the Vikings lost on Sunday at his uh, Monday press conference at the TCO Performance Center of Performances. Matthew Collar, who joins me now, calls it. Um, that is a very interesting comment to uh, circle back on our conversation, Matthew, about how Mike feels about the play calling and you know what? At this point, I don't blame him. And my frustration starts with this. I don't even know if the Vikings are struggling to run the ball because they abandoned it so quickly. And Kirk Cousins is not a bad quarterback. And I know that there are people who think that you hate him, that I can't stand him. He's not a bad quarterback. But I don't think that he should be treated like a top five QB. And I feel like the game plan skews towards, well, if there's problems offensively, Kirk can save us, which he can't do. And I think it's imperative at this point that if he hasn't done so already, Mike Zimmer steps in here and says, I'm going to at least dictate some of this because if we are to, if my defense is to have a chance, if it's to have a chance, we can't consistently be on the field. We can't have Kirk throwing a ton of passes. He can pass. That's fine. But the frustration here does not surprise me. So I was thinking about this kind of on the drive in, just about Kirk Cousins and how they treat him and how John Filippo is treating him because he has such a great arm and he can make so many really good throws that sometimes maybe they think offensively that he should be like one of the top quarterbacks in terms of how they scheme. Now, I will say, they had not been very aggressive overall. A lot of short passes, a lot of getting the ball out quickly. But last night, specifically in that game, it was like 
you would have Aaron Rodgers do with a lot of holding on to the ball, a lot of trying to work it farther down the field. I got this stat sent from uh, Pro Football Focus that his average time holding on to the ball was 2.4 seconds. And it was 2.7 seconds last night, which you wouldn't think is big, but it kind of does tell you a little bit. Usually, like, if someone's averaging in the 2.5 or less, that means they're getting rid of the ball really quick. And anything more than 2.5 is holding on to it more. And I think that there was a lot of holding on to it more, a lot of looking for a big play down the field from time to time. And it just doesn't really fit with him. So sometimes it feels like they should just case Keenum him. Like, they should just have him throwing all these misdirections, all these bootlegs, all these play actions, and try not so much trick, but just move defenses in different directions and make for simple throws. Mm-hmm. For the most part, their offense last year was all sorts of really simple throws for Case Keenum and then throw one up for grabs every once in a while for Kirk, or for uh, Stephon Diggs or Adam Thielen and they'll catch it. And last night, we just didn't see a lot of that. Where on Matt Nagy's side... Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter had no impact on that game because they were moving everyone horizontally all the time. There were these jet sweep actions, and then there were these little little crossing patterns, little rollouts that got running backs open in the flat and things like that and found ways to get some yardage with the ball in playmakers' hands. And for a guy who's constantly talking about get playmakers in space, get playmakers in space, like that's Filippo's big thing that he goes back to every time we talk to him. It just hasn't really it hasn't really happened. It hasn't really happened where they just get the ball into people's hands. It's been like a Dalvin Cook. Right. And and Delvin Cook, that's the thing. He has been ineffective when he's in the game. And I don't think that's because of Delvin Cook. Aside from one seventy yard run, he hasn't done a thing and a twenty four yard slant route, but they didn't go back to that. He yep. wasn't a receiver last night at all. He was Which made and, zero sense. And and I asked him too about using the screen game and he kind of looked at me like, I'm just not going to really answer this. But, but why, w- why wouldn't you, though? Like, what would, be the, what would be the argument, especially against that defense where dropping back to pass in the pocket is going to be extremely tricky? What would be the argument to not use the quick pass game? It, it, that, that would have been, to me, exhibit A of the game in which you use it. So I wonder if it's a little bit of outsmarting themselves and also a little bit of third and long. It just, see, against Philadelphia, they came out and threw these quick passes all over the place in the first half. Their scripted plays, they went right down the field, and I think they got a field goal on the first drive. Move the ball, move the ball, move the ball. And we didn't see that last night with those quick screens very often. And Diggs has busted a bunch of big plays with those. He had a big play against the Rams. I think he had one, at least an important play against Green Bay on a third down. But when you don't run the ball well, and you also don't ever run it on second down either, then you get in third and eight a lot. And last year, they were actually bad on third and long because Case Keenum couldn't make throws. Sure. This is the this is the huge difference between Teddy Bridgewater and these other two or three quarterbacks was the third down and longs. Bridgewater is fantastic at it because he's got anticipation, pace, patience, pocket presence, the things that these guys don't have as much of. But So you're putting Kirk Cousins in his worst spot. His worst spot is third and long. That's where great quarterbacks are fine, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers usually, and for whatever reason, Bridgewater was just really good with it, I think because he's so accurate. But Cousins is not. So you need to get Cousins in these third and shorts if you're going to keep these drives going. Yep. And they have not been able to do that. And I think that that's one of the biggest issues for this team is that when you're in third and three, remember how about last year, how many times third and three, 
little little dink or dunk to Kyle Rudolph. How many times did that happen? All the time. Every game, twice a game. Yes. Three times a game. Yes, they made it look C- simple. C.J. Ham, a little play-action throw or something that they hit him in Atlanta for yeah. a first down. You can remember him specifically. We just haven't seen it because they're not in third and short enough. It just... it Play calling is 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 very tough. I get that. I completely get that. And so I'm not trying to imply that this is a simple job. But I do, in watching what Shermer did last year, if you watched it closely, you could take a lot from that. And you could say, you know what, that does work, and here's why. And it's not always sexy, but it worked. And I just feel now like they go into games saying, well, we signed Cousins, so he should be the guy. And we've got these uh, two outstanding receivers, so they should be the guy. And we've got this third guy that we we really want to like and tread well, but he's not that good, but we'll still force passes to him. And the creativity that seemed to be there a year ago, or the or, or the simplicity that seemed to be there last year, is gone and you're going to have to asking Kirk Cousins to carry the load consistently on his shoulders is going to result in you either not being a playoff team or being done in one game on the road and it's that simple this is not this is not going to work in in the way that you're doing it and last night was worst case because you kept trying to do that and what you went 3 and out or lost the ball and your defense is right back out there and this defense the one thing that you have to do is get them a breather right yeah. sometimes they yeah. can't be out there consistently and that's what we're seeing now is is the offense is not nearly efficient enough and that is that's what the offense has to do because if the offense can't stay on the field. The one thing that is going to absolutely positively sabotage this defense is they're going to be completely gassed. It just, it just, sorry, caller. It, it just felt like Pat Shermer last year just knew exactly what play to call on almost every single situation. If it was third and four, he knew exactly what play to call. Like, exactly what play to call. He knew exactly what route. Stefan Diggs should run on a third and four versus a third and seven. And I don't for whatever reason, it just doesn't feel like DeFilippo has that same sort of grasp of knowing the the exact perfect call to make on a on a specific situation. You know, maybe the comparison that I could make to the point that you're uh, bringing up, Manny, is like a pitcher-catcher sort of relationship where the catcher is dialing up the pitch and the pitcher has to execute it. And where if you have a really good relationship there or someone who's in complete control, if you have Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright said once that he never shook off Yadier Molina. Like he just did what, I mean, that is a complete control. The relationship is just perfect there. You trust him. He trusts you. You know what everybody's going to do and on the same page. And with this, this feels much more like you'd have a catcher going out to the mound all the time. Yeah. Right? Like where it's just not quite with the players on the same page, not quite maximizing those skill sets like he says over and over that he wants to do. And that's the thing with Filippo is that in the press conferences, he says these sort of generic things about what his basic goals are and, and his sort of ethos. And then you don't really see it quite as much there. And trying to get playmakers in space is a pretty simple sort of thing to say. But at the same time, maybe you're not seeing a whole lot of that. You're not seeing the simple ways they've done it. Kyle Rudolph should be annoyed. I mean, Kyle Rudolph last year did not have the 80 catches, but he was really efficient. And I thought he'd be used a ton I thought this so season. Too. I thought that he'd be a key part of that. All you want to see with Kyle Rudolph is four catches, but all of them are pretty big. Yep. 
and that's what he was last year, and he's just he's just irrelevant. But your elf line point is a good one too, because there is the one strength, right? There's the one guy that you look at and say, if you use him correctly, he's really good. Yeah, and yet you're not doing it. Yeah, and and, and instead he's getting worked a lot. But this sort of comes back to them getting themselves into so often third and long. And that's where a screen, it's not a run play necessarily, but it, it, let's say it gets you four yards, gets you five yards, and then you're set up in a pretty good place to move the ball methodically down the field, mm-hmm. which they were not able to do at all last night. And so what we end up on is that this team has a lot of talent, and they're maximizing some of their players and getting a lot of catches for Adam Thielen and getting a lot of catches for Stephon Diggs. But aside from that, he has not found a way to get much out of anybody else. And the Laquan Treadwell experiment, like, just end it. I know. I mean, and I don't know if that comes from Mike, if that comes from Rick, if that comes from... There's no way that that Flip goes into game saying, you know what I need to do? I need to involve number 11. Yeah. There's no way. There's just been... It, it boggles the mind to me. When you consider in a salary cap league the investment that you made in this QB, that you're doing so many things around him, and I'm not I'm not defending him completely or absolving him completely, but you're doing so many things around him that seem designed to almost sabotage him. Your offensive line, you didn't improve it. Okay. Yeah. Uh you you are throwing Treadwell out there consistently. Why? I still think he needs a run game, but you don't do it. There's so many. Why, when you see yourself as being potentially as good as this team was going to be, and listen, nobody said the offense had to be great, but last year was really efficient, and now it's Diggs, Thielen, Cousins, go play boys, and everybody else is sort of ancillary. You know what this feels like? It feels like there's a lot of pieces that should add up to more than they do, but they haven't. And they just don't fit together. Like any fan of the band Tool would say, I know the, the pieces fit. You know? That's okay. Oh, no, I know. No, okay. okay. I mean, yeah, that's. What, a, yeah, yeah. Just, you got yeah, no, to be no, a Tool. You gotta, no, I was never a big Tool guy. You got to be a grunge. I remember Tool. You got to be remember, a grunge fan there. But if you're a Vikings fan, you, you should be PO'd. But doesn't it? I mean, doesn't you it feel that way? You should be PO'd about this. It feels like it all makes sense in practice, aside from the offensive line thing. Yeah. It, or in theory, I mean. That it all makes sense to bring in this guy from Philadelphia. He can bring the concepts from over there along with a lot of the things that Shermer did. So you'll have some different, you'll have some of the same, and he'll look at everything with Kirk Cousins and they'll just get together and have coffee and design the whole offense together and it'll all be great. And it, it just everybody will get it and it'll be, you know, you maximize this guy and you maximize that guy. Get Delvin Cook the ball in space and you'll do this, 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 and this. And even with the offensive line not being great, yeah. okay, well, it does have one thing it does pretty well, and that's move. Brian O'Neill is fast as hell. For an offensive lineman, he's one of the most athletic offensive linemen in the entire NFL. Pat Elfline is great when you get him moving, and he loves doing it. Go out and hit a safety or corner. Like, so you, you've got all these pieces where you could just theoretically see them working, but it just hasn't consistently at any point. Even in games that they have won by a lot of points, it hasn't even really looked great. San Francisco, it didn't look great. Arizona, they're what tied at half or up by three 
the New York Jets, I mean, they threw the ball to the Vikings a bunch of times. Oh, yeah, the Jets. Yeah. And they fumbled a punt or something, and yeah. it was just a complete mess. It but, didn't look great. For, it has never looked great for four quarters that, right? for a full football game. The, the Green Bay game is is a good example of this, where you're down 22-7 to seven or something, and then you get it going for a little bit, but have not had it be consistently effective. They don't effective. have an impressive win this season now. The Eagles win was, and now I'm, and now they're a mess. And I would go as far to say is like I would agree with what Manny said. They haven't had an impressive game offensively ever, like all the way through, aside from the Rams game. But that's another situation where you're down two scores and throwing the ball all over the place. And the Rams defense has turned out to be pretty darn bad. But they have not had a top to bottom, start to finish, great offensive performance. Aside from the Rams game where they're playing from behind. Take a break. Uh, if you'd like to join the conversation, 651 646 8255. 651 646 8255. 877 615 1500. TCL Broadcast Studios. We still need to get to the Zim sound. Has he lost the team? He talks about that. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN with the continuing mistakes that you didn't know if it was because they weren't listening, they weren't paying attention, or they didn't care, but you would look at the tape. What did you see today? What do you think it is? Um, I think we had some lack of awareness in, in, uh, on a few plays, and, you know, I pointed them out today. Um, I've asked several players if they're listening to me or not or if they quit listening to me, and there's been – and not just them. I didn't ask them, did you, but did – you know, do you think these guys have stopped listening to me? And uh, they said no. Collar, your thoughts? I don't think that the Vikings have a Mike Zimmer problem at all. I mean, I think that aside from one really ugly game in Los Angeles against a top two offense in the NFL, which I cannot wait to see play against the Chiefs tonight. Oh, it's going to be great. For it's just wonderful. But their top two or three offense in the league lit them up. Okay. Sometimes you get in a shootout in the NFL these days, it happens. Mm hmm. And there were some other issues at times with the defense early in the season. He fixed them. I could show you on tape. Here's what they did. Here's how they changed it. It worked. They got a 10-sack game two weeks ago. And I thought last night the defense had a really gritty type of performance late in that game. Right. Where they get picks from Anthony Harris. He makes a great play on one of them. They shut down some of the runs. There were some quick passes by Mitch Trubisky. I was talking a lot on Twitter about just Chicago mismanaging the game, but also give a lot of credit for the Vikings defense to keep them alive over and, and over and did. over again. Yeah, Chicago well, sh- did too. Chicago did. That's yeah. accurate. And that's hey, Matt Nagy really does want to be Andy Reid, huh? <laughs> He's on uh, his way. It, it was a it was astonishing some of their decisions, but the Vikings took advantage. They got turnovers and they made some plays. And you know, you go into the. First half, this is how spoiled Vikings fans are with this defense. 14 points, they get two key red zone stops, and on Twitter it's fire Zimmer because the defense is so bad. <laughs> it's like, you might want to watch some more games around the league of uh, what, what happens. Usually if the offense turns it over and, and you get into a shootout or something, the defense did not let that happen. Thought for the most part, they have not been perfect, but for the most part throughout this whole season, they have been pretty solid. And when you look at all the numbers, they're top 10. And so what else can you ask for from Zimmer than that? I think he's handled the ups and downs really well. He could have lost them after Los Angeles, and he didn't. I think he's handled Kirk Cousins' issues pretty darn well. That He, <laughs> he stays away. He seems to understand that he can't go shredding 
Kirk Cousins the way that he did Case Keenum because Keenum could take it. Keenum could even make him better because of it, where Cousins, I don't think, would be okay with being called out by his head coach in the media because he can be sensitive like that, and he's a guy that always has to respond to the criticism and stuff. So you're much better off just saying, no, Kirk's been terrific. Kirk's been terrific. And just deflecting, deflecting, deflecting. This is his best work in handling his players and making the changes. In adversity. In adversity. Yes. They they have a offensive line coach pass away. The Everson Griffin thing, like, don't forget well, about that because it was just a few weeks ago. And I, I love the fact that he acknowledged there, I went to players and asked them. Because that's right. far too often what coaches in this league don't do. Yep. They're like, no, 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 I got this, I got this, shut up. I love the fact now, and I also like the play that if you are going to express frustration or disappointment, do it in a coach. Yes. Because the coach yes. works for you. The, play, the, players, the players work for you, but they can turn on you. What's very interesting about that is I was watching the Bill Walsh of Football Life the other day, and Mike Holmgren... Wait for it. Uh, yeah, wait. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Football! Football, football, yeah, football! Football! Yeah. Football! Yeah. Because um, of course you were. Highly suggested. All of them are good. You suggest every one of them. Uh, not There are some that are just sort of like, okay. You're like... No but, dinner tonight, honey. I'm watching a football this, life with George Blanda. This one is this one is top five, the Bill Walsh one. It's so, so good. Okay. And one of the things that was consistently talked about in that was how Walsh would direct his criticism back at the coordinators all the time. If the players made a mistake in practice, he would turn to the quarterback coach, who I think at the time was Andy Reid? No. Or was that um, Mike Holmgren was, was he's offensive coordinator or quarterback coach? Well, he anyway. M- might have been both at one time. Okay, so Holmgren. Served in both capacities. I think Holmgren was the QB coach and then became the offensive coordinator when George Seifert took over. That makes but, sense. Yep. So he, w- he would turn to the quarterback coach, Mike Holmgren, yep. which is kind of funny to think about now since he's a legend, and he would say, Mike, what's going on there? What happened there? Why is why is this guy not have this right? Have you not been coaching him the way he's supposed to go? And Joe Montana in it talks about how the players would feel bad because their coach was getting shredded. That's their guy who's always helping them. That's genius. So they don't want it. Right. And I think that Love what it. he did here, instead of saying, if Kirk throws another interception, I'm going to put him in a rocket ship and shoot him to the sun. Because you can't. You paid him so much money. You got him for three years. No one else is playing quarterback for this team. If you alienate him now, this could be a very big problem. So he's not doing that. And rather, you could get another offensive coordinator. You probably are going to have a tough time getting another quarterback when you sign this one for this much money. So you have to direct it to John D. Filippo. And there's probably a lot of truth in doing so. But that will keep pressure off of Kirk Cousins. And the bigger point here is the Vikings don't have a Mike Zimmer problem. He has made a lot of adaptations as he's gone along. He's learned. And if they end up making the playoffs here and any noise in the playoffs, this will be a better coaching job than last year because of the number of things that have gone wrong. Do they, as things stand right now in your mind, then have a GM problem? I mean, that's hard because they didn't draft the offensive lineman. And... Before we went on, Manny mentioned that they have drafted two in the first round. Is that right, Manny? Is that right, Manny? Uh, in the last seven drafts, including this year, they have drafted two offensive linemen in the first two rounds. Yeah. Be- and Matt part- Khalil and Brian O'Neill. So Brian O'Neill is working out okay. Uh, the, the Matt Khalil one, not so much. but <laughs> but And Khalil was supposed to. He was supposed to be a franchise left tackle, and that just didn't work because that's the draft. But who they drafted was a bunch of players who are now really important for them. It's their two starting corners who are two of the best in the NFL. It's their starting middle linebacker who is maybe not perfect, but a very good player. It's, you know, they've drafted a lot of guys 
who were important to them. This particular draft, they should have taken an offensive lineman. There is no question about that. But as far as how they've drafted to build up this defense, this defense is keeping them alive in this season and giving them chances to win for the most part and winning games sometimes. Uh, the Arizona one would be a great example of that, where the, that's a defensive win for them, and then they get a few big runs. And, and last year was the same thing. They won on defense. 2015, yeah, they've won on defense. Like, so, yes. so they drafted the and built the roster yeah. for that. So I don't think that they have a GM problem necessarily because they've drafted players, they've kept the right guys, they've let a lot of the guys go. And I don't know how you don't sign Kirk Cousins in the offseason when given all the options, the fact that Teddy Bridgewater, his knee could have been an issue. The I fact that Case Keenum would have fallen off. I agree with you on that, but where but where I've grown disconcerted about this entire thing is I agree on signing Cousins. I think the ask of him is not realistic for his skill set, though, right now. And this is where, where we get back to play calling. And this is where, and I'm not absolving him of his sins because he makes some stupid mistakes that drive you crazy. But they're also not putting him in a consistent... When, the day you sign him, I, I would hope that... The two things that Kirk would, would have sat down and chatted with, with him about as he put uh, pen to paper were, what does my line look like and what's my role? And if they tell him, Kirk, we're going to load you up. This is on your shoulders. I'd say, gentlemen, that's not my strength. That's not. I'm good. I'm good. But I am not great enough because it looks right now like they think they signed Brady at times or yeah, Breeze. Yeah. No, and so that's, that's my problem. The, the offensive line point is really interesting because I think it's actually hurting them with more the fact that they can't run the ball, and that's why they don't run the ball. And that's why Filippo has gone so far away from it is because they can't, and they're getting stuffed all the time. They have a couple of times against bad teams, but not against anybody good, where they've had a consistent running game that was effective throughout the game. They've had explosive runs, but not one where you're like, boy, they're just pounding it down this team's throat, because they they often can't. So that's where I would direct some of it back to the GM did not do a good enough job of building this offensive line. I would also say building an offensive line that's really good is super tough. There are not many folks anymore who want to play offensive line who are the great athletes in the league because unless you're a superstar left tackle one of five or six you're probably not getting paid but don't you think it's been ignored too much i i think that's that, my problem with say, it that's mine too because when joe berger retires like and joe berger was pretty good for you last year when he retires like that tells me that oh you know what in the draft, I should probably address the offensive line. And because my starting right guard just retired, I should probably go and find a right guard in this draft. This kind of reminds me a little bit of like Chuck Fletcher and the trade for this is like crossing to hockey. So if you're not big on hockey, I'll explain it. But like making a trade for Tyler Ennis and Marcus Felino, where we knew at the time it just really wasn't going to be a move that worked. And it was more of a straw that broke the camel's back, like one bad trade, a, a depth defenseman for guys who weren't going to contribute. Is it's just that shouldn't be the end of you, and, and it shouldn't be the end of you to think that Remmers could play guard and you could move Rashad Hill or Brian O'Neill to right tackle because you wanted this corner who's really good. Like that shouldn't be the biggest thing, but it was over and over and over. Right. Like like Fletcher had not made good trades and the totality, had, uh, right? Exactly, he, and, and that's and, and that's what we have with this offensive line. Yeah, and that's that's, that's the problem here too. It's taking things for granted, and and it's here's what I don't get about this. Um, Rick Spielman and company treat the line like I think of of receivers 
running backs. I think you can find them. I really yeah. do. Now, if I have a top five one available to me, I'm going to jump at that player. But at running back, we have seen time and time again, right? You can go out and, and replace guys and find guys and be fine. Offensive line, that's not true. And they You can't just find them. They tend to believe in people that you shouldn't believe in. They tend to convince themselves of things, convince themselves that Remmers will be a fine guard. I give him a ton of credit for how hard he's trying. I mean, he, when you watch the tape on him, he is playing his butt off, but he just is not a guard. Like, it's just not his position. And it's really tough for him. He's one of the worst in the NFL at allowing pressure. Tom Compton, I mean, give the guy credit for going out there playing he's with a knee injury. He's best buddy, but, though. But, but he's not a starter. Like, no, I know. He's not a but starter. But he's here because he's Cousins' buddy. It doesn't. No, he's he's an NFL player. Like Kirk Cousins wouldn't have you or me if we were his buddy playing left guard. He's a he's a he's an NFL backup. Don't know about that. And he's had a long career as an NFL backup. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to say he's a joker only around because of him. Because Atlanta signed him to, and uh, Chicago signed him to. So he's a player. Like he's an NFL player. He deserves to be here. He deserves to be in the league. What he can't do is start 16 games. The same thing with Rashad Hill too, right? Th- that's exactly right. Like these guys yeah. are guys that you can. St- okay, we've got someone hurt, let's get him in, and we don't feel like we're losing a ton. They're Jeremiah Searles-like players in the past that we've seen. But for him to have to start at left guard for the whole season because Nick Easton gets hurt, that's that's going to hurt but you in dri- the long term. What drives me crazy is Remmers was signed to play right tackle, and mm-hmm. he was efficient at that spot. And now they're playing him out of position because they didn't go address spots that they could have and should have. And I don't get that. I don't get when you are... So close to feeling that you're a Super Bowl team that you go sign a contract, uh, a quarterback to a three-year, $84 million contract, which is an all-in move. Mm-hmm. The Cousins contract has nothing to do with 2019 or 20. It's an all-in right now move. I appreciate that. That's great. That's the type of thing where if you're a Vikings fan, you're probably thrilled by it. And then you let these other things, though, just sort of go. I can't I can't fathom what they're thinking when they do that. So here if if you were to do it over again, I think one way you might do it. So there's always the draft Will Hernandez. I mean that's just that's easy. Yeah, that's we've right. Talked there. About the now yeah. maybe you would say if you draft Will Hernandez, you don't draft Brian O'Neill probably. And I do like a lot of things I've seen out of Brian O'Neill. He is farther along than I thought he would be, and all things considered handled it pretty well last night, though they were lining up Khalil Mack on the other side. That that put that aside. So the lineman they drafted has actually turned out to be fairly helpful. But when you look at some of the other things, some of the other places they spent their money, I think if you were to do it again, you might rework this. You might say, you know what? Don't spend that money on Andrew Sandejo. Like they could have moved on from him. That Sandejo had his best year and he had that concussion and it wasn't going to work out again. Or maybe you move on from Kyle Rudolph at, at some point. If you're not going to use him, the way that you've used them in the past. Maybe they planned on it. I don't know, but they have not taken advantage of Kyle Rudolph very much, and he is limited in, in some ways. So maybe you move on there. And and it, now when you have only so much money to work with, only a little bit because you poured so much in, maybe you don't sign Eric Hendricks to the huge contract that you signed him to. Like I think now where we are, I can see why they did all these things, but where we are now, we might have said, if you have so little resources, right. sometimes you have to rob Peter to pay Paul a little bit here because of the value of the position in the offensive line and how badly Cousins needed it. And I would say about Cousins, everyone is bad under pressure. Like every single quarterback is bad under pressure. But one thing Cousins is, is excellent when he's not pressured. 
Mm-hmm. And so, so if you want to get the most out of him, you do have to find these ways. And they haven't had the opportunity or haven't done enough of, of running play action and finding ways to keep to you know, keep him upright and avoid him getting pressured, knowing also that he just sits in one spot in the pocket. And so it's like all these different things, Judd. We talked about this earlier, like how it's everything. It's not just one thing. It's not just on Rick Spielman. It's not just on Kirk Cousins. It's not just on John Filippo. But I do know this. It's not good enough. What they have right now is not a horrible offense, but it is not anywhere good enough to go anywhere in the playoffs. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Quick check on traffic brought to you by T-Mobile 94 Eastbound. We got a crash in St. Paul between 35E and 12th Street. It's causing an eight-minute delay. Be careful out there, folks. Now at Metro, buy a select Samsung Galaxy or LG phone and get a second one for free on a new line. Metro by T-Mobile. Plus sales tax and activation activation fee requires qualifying plan. Phone free after all instant rebates. Free phone of lesser or equal value. See store for details and terms and conditions. Miscommunication with the NTs or other things uh, that have happened in the past with, with some of the moving pieces in and out of this offense. Do you think they're still learning how to play together even though we're this far in the season? Um, you know, I don't know if learning to play together is, is quite quite the thing. Um, you know, we do have a lot of guys going in different spots. Um, but uh, uh, what's the best way to say this? It might be uh, a little volume maybe, a little too much volume. Like too much. Just, you know, let's let's just play football. You know, you run a really good out route and you run the out route. He runs a good curl, you run a curl. You know what I mean? So maybe maybe we just need to to focus a little bit on on not trying to trick the other team quite so much. Royce? Patrick Royce, yeah. I would say that uh, that uh, Zim is uh, a bit exasperated at this point with his offensive coordinator, <laughs> judging from that comment this afternoon. Uh, yeah, that, uh, that didn't sound like a warning uh, endorsement. He better... He better uh, he better watch out. Last time that happened, Norv Turner got fired. So uh, I I I don't I don't think that's going to happen. But so uh, what was the uh, what 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 were we doing here wrong, uh, Collar? What what was uh, what were we upset about? Uh, Pat, I just got to look at the tape. <laughs> that's it. Um, well, I mean, I I think a I think a big part of it starts with the fact that they haven't been able to run the ball at all. And I'm not somebody who thinks that you should try to run all the time or try to be the number one running team, but they don't get in third and short very often. And Kirk Cousins, his big claim to fame was this guy's unbelievable in play action. And it's true. I mean, all the numbers back it up. If you watch him, he's extremely good in the way he executes it. Where did we see play action last night? Well, not very much because you're not running the ball at all. And they're pressuring you, so that's really tough to do when they're pressuring you. And maybe it's also a, a bit of a play-calling issue. And and from what Zimmer's talking about, way too many times guys haven't been on the same page when you get to this point in the season. Like, how is that still happening? I, I think it's a it's a combination of things. <laughs> well, it's nice to see him. I always like it when he's a little surly. So that's that's my favorite part of Zim when he's got a little bit of the red to him. But 
but here's the deal. I, I, I'd like to tell you fellas something. I was at a high school football game on Friday, and uh, it was uh, the, between Owatonna and Elk River. And Owatonna basically took Elk River out of this off. Their, their game is to run the ball. Just They just run the ball. And the coach after the game said, you know what? When their when your line is better than our line, you're going to beat us. <laughs> and, yeah. uh I think it's uh, you know this idea that suddenly the uh, Vikings offensive line took a big step back and they were terrible and blah blah blah. No, they were playing against monsters and the monsters were better than they were. There's what what are you going to do about it? Uh, Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks are better than anybody you got. Uh, and then you got that nice crew of linebackers behind them. So what? Uh, what are you going to do about it? There's, now, there's not much you can do. I agree with that, except for the fact that Miami was able to move the ball a bit on this same team. Yes. Miami does not have some magical offensive line. It's better than this one, but it's not incredible. I think that probably some of the scheme and game plan go into this too, where you have to know that Khalil Mack is going to eat you. Right, And you have to know that you're going to get plowed up the middle and try to find ways. I I was really impressed, Pat, last night with Matt Nagy early in the game getting so many things moving horizontally and guys open for short passes and using uh, Tariq Cohen a lot. Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter are not schlubs. They're every bit in the same class as Khalil Mack. They're up there. I mean, he's not Lawrence Taylor. He's really good, but he's not like he's not like this like all-time top five player ever or something. So Griffin and Hunter in his range, and yet here's one offensive coordinator figuring out how to mitigate their effect and the other one not. Well, uh, i tell you what, yeah, the, the Bears' offense was terrible the second half. They didn't do anything. The Vikings, absolutely. Whatever they were doing in the first half, the Vikings took them out of it. And, uh, by the way, I think that Trubisky's going to be a good quarterback about six years from now when he <laughs> figures out what he's doing. CFL but, uh, maybe, right Pat? Now, He's uh, Christian Ponder, uh, who's a bigger, stronger version of Christian Ponder when it comes to looking for a second receiver. It's a joke, but uh, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't know if it's the plays you call. I, I, here, I'll, I'll guess. I'll guess one thing: Delvin Cook doesn't play next week. What the the hamstring again? You think they'll hold him I, out? No. I think he'll hold himself out. Oh, okay. This kid is not a warrior, in my opinion. <laughs> this isn't exactly a hard-nosed, I mean, he's a talented kid, but uh, when things aren't going well, uh, he doesn't give you much, that's for sure. Hey, why do you think that year after year, Soldier Field is such a difficult place for this franchise <laughs> to play? I mean, they've played some god-awful Chicago teams, yeah. and it's always closer they just lose the damn game. Yeah, but they've... They've gotten beat down there in mysterious ways, Judd. There was no mystery last night. They've gotten beat <laughs> no, by right. Chad Hutchinson when they weren't any good. and uh, Rex Grossman and, when he had a passer rating yeah, of like eight. Yeah. I mean, this, this was there was no great mystery in, in this last night, uh, I, I don't think. Uh, Cousins uh, did not have a good game. He was under pressure, obviously, but he didn't do it. Not like he got sacked ten times like Matt Stafford did the week before. In the dome, he wasn't, uh, you know, there were plays to be made that he didn't make. You know what I thought, and maybe I'm wrong, but, I mean, I know he caught some pass in the second half, but that cornerback that they had on Thielen did a hell of a job. He was with them all day long. 
and they didn't really double them the whole game. They did somewhat, but uh, I thought that uh, their their back end played pretty dang well too. I mean, Diggs obviously tore them up, but uh, you know the the, the Bears uh, that's that's a damn good defense. That's and when they went and got Khalil Mack, I said, "What are these idiots doing? Don't they know they aren't any good?" <laughs> no, that defense was good. Now it's great. They, they knew what the, they knew what they were doing. That's that's for sure. I mean, I'd still like to play them in the dome where uh, Trubisky could turn into a complete train wreck. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, you're, you're not going to go up and down the field against them, no matter what uh, what you're going to do. Yeah, I, I, Matt, you mentioned that. Uh, that Miami game, I watched that. That was an absolute giveaway. I mean, that was uh, they they beat them about three different times and then gave it right back to them. So uh, that that's the one when they that's their Buffalo when they look at their <laughs> schedule and say, "How in God name did we let this one get away?" But uh, they, that coach seems to be sharp, uh, boy. And it's really unusual that the Bears actually hired the right guy. Uh, <laughs> that's that's pretty fantastic. I, I don't know how the hell that happened. That's you know, because I go back to when they hired Abe Gibran, who uh, who was this, this rather uh, uh, hillbilly-looking uh, former uh, lineman who, uh, you know, as the old uh, Brad's the old line about Bradshaw goes, you could he couldn't spell cat if you spotted him to see in the A. And guys like that coaching, and, uh, I you know, Ditka was an idiot. Uh, he won a Super Bowl just because he had to. He had no choice. He had the best defense that ever played football. He should have won about four. He was a complete moron. But this guy's pretty good. <laughs> well, the second half, he uh, did his best to even uh, maybe maybe be a throwback Bears coach with some of the decisions there to have Trubisky keep throwing when they were running the ball so effectively. I'm curious, Pat, do you think... The Vikings, and I know your predictions are always so spot on. So that's what I that's what I want to ask. I, I, I still have us in the Super Bowl. Well, what 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 do you think about just over these last few games? I mean, they've got Aaron Rodgers and they've Sunday got Brady. Night. You, you think they'll win Sunday night? Everybody will be happy. So they'll beat the Packers. Are dead meat. So are, are we just fine. so are we just overreacting to this one horrible loss? No. No, Judd would never. Over no, guarantee, this is a bust of a season. It guarantees you're going to have to go on the road. You know, you're going to have to beat somebody good on the road. That's what this guarantees. Of course, you always did have to, but you might have to. If you have to go on the road twice, that would not be good with this collection. I don't think. But Pat, no. What? But Pat, if you they, if you think about busts of seasons with expectations, if this team doesn't make the playoffs or at least win a oh, playoff game, this is a massive bust. This oh, is huge. Yeah, this is, I mean, the, the final result will not be as bad as 2010, but it will be 2010 as far as not meeting, meeting expectations. Oh yeah, if they don't make the if they don't make uh, the playoffs, uh, Zim's on double secret probation. I would think entering the following season because Spielman's not going to blame himself. I'll guarantee you that. So I mean, Zim will be back next year, but he won't be back in secure. That's for sure. If they don't make the playoffs this year. GM could be also, in trouble too, gonna, Pat. Also, I think we can if they don't make the playoffs this year, we can stop worrying about losing De Filippo as a head coach to another <laughs> team. So. Oh, I think he might be gone, Pat, but not by his own uh, doing. <laughs> Judging from well, Zim's co- comments today, I I think that sort of sheds some light on the fact that uh, Zim says when it starts to screw up my defense, uh, we got problems, son. Well, I don't know. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, I can't believe that uh, they're going to they're going to. Wasn't he a genius until uh, wasn't he wasn't he pretty smart last week? You know, no, they we got not, not really. No, I mean but what I'm saying is they they. Why do they look good when they ran the ball some, right? When they ran the ball for 100 yards, they'd look good. When they can't run the ball, they look terrible. Well, that's, I mean, and that's often been because the, they were up in games and they ran because the Jets gave them the ball a bunch of times. Arizona could never move the ball, so they so they kept going. But their offense was has just really not been that impressive for the entire season. I, I was mentioning to Judd earlier, 24th. In the uh, league in scoring percentage, which is way down from the even the last couple of years, it's very like 2016 range. But they were much much better last year, and there there's never been a complete offensive game where they've been good from start to finish. Well, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it, but let's face it, sports talk radio on Mondays after the Vikings lose is a hell of a lot better than it is after they win. There's no comparison, right? <laughs> no, that's probably true. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. That's a good point. What sports talk radio needs is angst, and it is it is wonderful that uh, we can we're we're growing adults, and we can still get this worked up over the Vikings losing a game in Chicago. It's uh, it's fantastic. I think it's great. I've, I've had a good old time today. <laughs> and, uh, well, Ventline was great last night, Pat. Yes, Ventline was fantastic last night. You know, I think there's a big mistake made by not having me on Redline. I could really agitate him. <laughs> you want to come on? You're more than welcome to. <laughs> Some night I'll come on, and uh, but but I'm not coming on after a victory. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we'll just schedule for, you gotta, for losses. You got to guarantee me it's going to be a loss, and then I'll come on. Uh, you know, like if they lose next Sunday. Yep. Green Bay. Maybe I'll make an emergency drive in. I love it. Uh, That'd be great. <laughs> to be uh, a guest on it. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Goodbye. Bye. That is wrapping with Royce, and that's how we wrap up Mackie and Judd. Thank you to Kala for dropping in studio here. Manny Hill will be back at uh, 3 p.m. tomorrow.